Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You know, you can't, guys, you can't just say, well, that's just how things go sometimes. When there's trouble around you, maybe you ought to look at you instead of blaming it on everybody else. Well, that's just war. I've got debt problems. Well, that's just finances, you know. Well, I've got this porn addiction. Well, that's just how guys are. And I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm only human. They're always trying to pass it off. It's not me. And so that's what David said. That's how just things are sometimes. So chin up and march on and take the city, okay? Baloney. But I want to ask a question. What happened to the great David that we've all come to love? What happened to him? Sin is what happened to him. And things keep getting worse. It just snowballs. It's just getting worse all the time. Guys, covering up will snowball. It does not help. It makes things exponentially bad, worse. So now that Uriah was gone, he's dead. He cannot come back and accuse David. Oh, he slept with my wife. Uriah can't do that, right? So now David is clear from all accusation. He buried it. It's over with. All's clear, right? Wrong. Second Samuel eleven twenty seven, And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Friends, if you've got a little secret sin in your back pocket and you're hiding it, this is what you're missing. People may never know what you've done, but the Lord always knows. Okay, so the Lord knows. Big deal. You don't think the Lord can't send people in circumstances designed to purge that out of you? He's going to get it. He's going to get you. Okay, believe me. You might get away with it from men. You might get away with it. You might have cheated that guy a while back, got off totally. You may have made money off the guy. You may have cheated somebody out of something and got your gain. And oh, well, there's no way, no way they can ever get me now. But the Lord can. Part of my reason here, though, for why Bathsheba was guilty in this affair, too, is because of her behavior here in verse 27. Once the mourning period was over, to her, it was time to move in. Okay, David, hang on. Let me go get my stuff. And people try to defend her, and I can see why they want to, but I, I, don't, I just don't buy it. Here in the text, she was a married woman when she got together with David for the first time and to run back to him a second time right after her husband's death, I believe they were both willingly involved with each other. I really do. I know David's doing bad things here, but he is still God's chosen man. David did not rape her against her will because she came back. She wanted to come back. That would have been destroyed if he had violated her the first time. I think there's a little more going on than just David. Now, I'm still going to say, The bulk of the responsibility lies on the one who was supposed to lead her like David was as her her leader. 
but I believe they were involved with each other. This was t- two consenting adults, okay? But, oh, guys, this really hurts me to say this. You know, to think that Israelite soldiers were out there fighting for their king and their country, for the honor while their king was being dishonorable to them. This presents a severe contrast for us to observe here in this story. We see Uriah's integrity. Uriah had a total commitment to the role that he had been given. He wanted to remain committed to his duty. He wanted to do his job. But then there was David. He was laying down on the job. He got lazy from his duties while committing sin after sin and trying to cover it up and pass the blame. Put Uriah's character up against David's, and you will see a major difference between the two of them. One guy was committed to doing his job, but the other man was not. And this displeased the Lord, it says. Things got way out of hand. Many lives were lost over this, over one man covering his sin. Now, you may be able to choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along with it. You have no decision. You have no choice over them at all. And there's a reason God does that. Proverbs 13 and 4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Now, this rich here doesn't just mean money. It means rich with contentment, rich with joy. It's beyond money. But guys, David lost his diligence. He lost his adamant walk, his insistence to stay true to the Lord. You notice how David always inquired of the Lord whenever he made a move? You haven't seen him inquire of the Lord one time here, have you? He hadn't asked the Lord, Lord, okay, I committed adultery. Man, I messed up. I'm I'm in trouble. I'm scared. What should I do? I believe the Lord would have said, here's what you do. And he would have had a plan to fix a lot of stuff. But David didn't do it. David started taking it easy. He got lazy. He stayed home when kings were supposed to be out leading their armies to battle. And you can see now the major mess that became of it. James 1.14 But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Guys, that's what happened to David. It started out as a simple look, but then it progressed past temptation onto being sin. And when sin took hold, it produced death for Uriah and several of David's servants. When you look at this passage, you got to think of sin as a child. It is conceived, it grows up, and then when it gets full grown, what is it? It's like a little sin child saying, when I grow up, I want to be death. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why the cross was barbaric. That's why our salvation came through a death, because sin creates death, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Guys, every temptation, every time, has a way out. There's always an escape route. There's always an escape hatch to get out of there. Look at the building that you're probably in right now, and notice where the door is at. Okay, there's a door over there. There's your way out. There's always a way out. Every temptation always has a way out. Every time. 
You cannot pass the blame like David was doing and save that crazy line, the devil made me do it. Come on, you have to own it. You're the one that gave in. This says that we have a way out. It's not that you can handle every temptation. You can't handle every sin. You're given the way out so that you don't have to deal with it. Choose the way out. Don't go through with it. Pass it off and go, well, Jesus forgave me. No, that's not the way it works. Take the way out every time. So if you give into temptation, it's because you were enticed by your own desires. Friend, think about what your desires are. Think about that temptation desire thing that just plagues you. That's your problem. Now that you know what your temptations and your desires are that entice you, you also need to start taking notice of the way out. Guys, if you've got an internet problem with pornography, what's your way out? Your way out is walk away from the cut and pick and computer. I mean, come on. Do we have to get super scientific about it? Don't use it. Well, what if I'm at the computer and I... Then walk away from it. You realize how many decisions it takes to type W? Uh Okay. W, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't. W, you've already made three decisions right there, okay? Dot... And then whatever the address is, you're you're making a decision per finger keystroke to get to that website. Any one of those keystrokes could keep you from looking at the material. David could have just turned his head and he would have been free of the whole thing. Guys, you've got a million decisions on the way to misusing whatever entices you. Any one of those decisions could break the daisy chain that would eliminate the rest of it that would stop the whole thing. You have a way out. Take it every time. Galatians 5 and 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. This is the inner battle that every believer has. When you are saved by Jesus Christ, sin is not eradicated 100% from your body. You still live with a body that is made of a sin nature, and it's going to tempt you, and it's going to try to make you do things that you would not ordinarily do. And you have to make a decision in your mind. you got to make a choice. Who you're going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the flesh where the lust and the sin is at? Or are you going to listen to the Spirit where the Holy Spirit indwells you and says, Don't do this. Here's your way out. You've got to learn to listen to those two and decide who's lying to you and decide who's trying to help you and make a good and godly decision. When David saw Bathsheba, he listened to his flesh. He did not take God's way out from under temptation. And guess what resulted? Death. When sin becomes full grown, it produces death. Men, and I I jump on the men a lot because I am one, okay? I know how us guys think. Especially married men. This is both single and married men, but especially you married men. When you see a woman that's lustful to look at, she's probably dressed in a way in public that is provocative and she shouldn't be doing that. And you could blame it all on her. Well, she's the one that don't do that. Turn your head. Honor your wife. Single guys, honor the Lord God. Honor him by not looking lustfully. Turn your head. Godly, Ray, you're so old fashioned. That's so old, man. You just, you just, hey, this is godly. This is biblical. You're going to face God one day. What are you going to tell him when he asks you to accountability? I'm just warning you, okay? <laughs> so don't give in to temptation, including pornography, including money. It could be a hundred million. It could be eating. I, I, I told you my story earlier about losing the weight, uh, temptation to eat. I trying to lose weight. There's a lot of temptation. 
when I see that food or I'm around people having a party and I've been around a bunch of them, I chose to start losing weight during the holidays around December. Okay, that was hard to do. Everybody's eating. I had to say, no, not going to do it. Temptation, God gave me a way out, and he did, which means don't eat it. (laughs) Sometime I had to walk out of the room, whatever. But you'd better believe that God is going to put an unmovable Uriah in your life if you try to cover it up. If you try to cover up sin and you try to justify it away, well, you know, my situation's different and all this other stuff that people come up with, God will put a Uriah in your life that will force you into some kind of accountability. Proverbs 28 and 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Friends, you want the mercy of God? It's not automatic. It depends on what you're doing. Don't look at God. Well, God loves everybody so much. He has to forgive everybody no matter what we do. So I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing and just sin away and have that sin license because I've got God's great, wonderful favor. Nope. If you want the mercy of God, you've got to confess and forsake your sin or you're not going to get that mercy. That's just how it works. It's there in the Bible. This is the Bible. Welcome to the God that you may not have known before. This is who he is. David is not going to get away with this, though, okay? In the next chapter, not only was there a Uriah that wouldn't go home, God is going to send Nathan the prophet to blow the lid right off this whole thing, and he's going to expose what David did. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed. And friends, you should be afraid. You should be very, very afraid of God's powerful ability to expose secret sin. I am afraid of the Nathans and the Uriahs in my life that if I do something wrong, they're going to give me a call or text me or come to my house and show up at my front door and say, uh, Ray, we need to talk. I know what you did. God told me, and here's what he said. That scares me, guys. And it's healthy accountability. And so if you have a secret sin, and if you do not believe that God has a way of dragging it out into the light, then you are deceived, my friend. And you need to understand what the Lord just said to us in his word. It's better to confess it now. Oh, but it's so big. Trust me, it'll get bigger. Oh, but it's so bad. It'll get worse if you cover it. It's better to confess now than to wait for God to publicize it, and he will. Friends, we have a job to do. If you're a believer in Messiah Jesus, you have been assigned a role, and you're supposed to lead people in godliness. But when you get lazy and comfy, and you lose your diligence, and you slow down, and you stop kind of really doing the seriousness of the work of the kingdom that God has called you to do, then Isaiah 29:15, woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us, and who knows us? Friends, God sees us. God knows us, and you're required to fulfill the leadership role that God has given you as a believer to be living in righteousness before the unbeliever. David forgot about his role. His responsibility to lead people with the authority that he had been assigned by God. And it's easy to point at David and say, hey, David, do your job. Quit goofing off. But let's turn the tables around for a minute back on ourselves. Whenever we get enticed by our own desires, 
it will cause us to stop leading others to Jesus. The job that we are supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be going out and leading that battle. We're not supposed to sit back at home and take it easy and lazy and go, oh, well, I'm saved and get complacent about our own salvation when there's lost people out there. We're supposed to not let sin lead us astray. Sin causes a lot of damage. It causes death. And it won't feel good when the Lord has to send somebody to tell us, do your job. Quit goofing off. Get busy. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Do what you said you committed to. The question I ask you today is, are you doing what is expected of you? Do you share the gospel of Jesus? Well, I don't know how. How long have you been saved? You ought to know by now. If you got saved, you ought to know how to tell somebody else how to be saved. You only need one verse. John 3.16 will do it. Are you doing your job? Well, I don't know how to do it. Passing the blame. Well, but, but you know, not everybody passing the blame. Guys, we're responsible. Jesus commanded us to do this. We're commanded in God's word. It's not a suggestion. It, it's a commandment. If you say, oh, I claim to be under Messiah, Jesus is my king, and he gives you a command and you won't do it, is he really your king? If you don't find him worth obeying, is he really your king? The question I ask, are you doing what's expected of you? Is your focus fixated on the mission like Uriah's was, or does your attention often fall onto other distracting things? David let his attention, his focus, his sense of duty, his diligence, everything fall to the side because he got distracted. Something else come along. When you come home from work, do you spend the whole day playing video games, watching TV, goofing off, doing this and that, everything about you? Or do you spend do you spend any time studying God's word? Do you spend time praying? Are you one of those Christians that say, you don't have to go to church to be saved, but it's commanded in Hebrews 10 to assemble in the body of believers and you never go to church? Well, that's my day to sleep in. Passing the blame. Well, you don't have to go to passing the blame. Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? We got to really expose the deception. Remember how deceived David was? He couldn't see it. What was happening to him? Friends, what's happened to us? What's happened to, the, to Americans? What's happened to the world? Every, all these people saying they're Christians and they're not doing their job. They're not doing their role. They're goofing off. We're supposed to be taking the gospel out to the world. That is our commanded job. We've been given the authority to do it. We're responsible to lead other people in godliness. I know we're faulted. I know we sin. That's no excuse. But I say this. Thank God that we have a king in Jesus Christ who was not too lazy to come down himself and die on the cross for us because he's the only one that can do it. He didn't sit back and say, well, I'll contract it out to somebody else because there was nobody else to contract it out to. He had to do it. He was the only one that was qualified. He's the only one that was sinless. And he rejected all temptation and took the, the godly way out every time. And you can do the same thing. So let us be diligent. He himself, the Lord Jesus, is diligent. He, he's going to make this happen. He promised he's going to come back on the great day with his army. And he is going to fight a great battle for us that's going to do everything off to the end. He himself is going to do it. He's not going to sit back at home and send his own little Joab out. The king himself is going to come back and lead that charge. Let's take an, an example off that diligence, and let's have the diligence of Christ in us. He's in you. He can lead you. Let him lead you. Be diligent in our walk with the Lord. Colossians 3.23 
And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, I know you have a job that you probably don't like. You work for somebody you don't really care for. You have to go places you don't really want to go. And you're just, oh, here comes another day. Guys, don't look at it that way. You work as though you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ because you are. You know, the reason you're at that job is not to make money. If God wanted to, he could step out to the streets of heaven, uh, chip off a piece of gold and throw it in your lap. Well, the fact that he hasn't is because he has assigned you, he has assigned your role with authority to be in that job so that you can be around people that you would have never met in any other way, strictly so that you can share the gospel of Jesus with them. And they have to hear it from you. And if they don't want to hear it, they have to see it in you because you should be living it. That's why you have that job. But you're thinking, but I messed up. I messed up bad. I did something terrible like David, and it's just eating you up inside. I want you to know that God can still use you. You're not counted out. No matter how bad you might have messed up, you can still be used. In fact, one of the later children that would be conceived between David and Bathsheba, his name will be Solomon, and that will be God's next chosen king over Israel. See, God can take something bad and still turn some good things out of it. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things, it says all things, not most, not some, not just the good stuff. It says all things. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that great, guys? But I messed up. Yeah, I know. I did too. (laughs) You don't know what I've done, Ray. You don't know what I've done either. We've all messed up. Just We're all in the same club, but God can still use that. Now, on a side note, you remember the Ammonites that David's army was battling in verse 1. Well, the Lord had warned Israel before, do not intermarry with the Ammonites so that they would not be drawn into any of the Ammonite pagan false god worship. But later on in 1 Kings 14, we're going to see that King Solomon inherited David's weakness for looking at women. He had a bunch of wives, guys. And he inherited his weakness for women, and it's going to cause him to marry an Ammonite woman, which is going to cause a whole nother big, big mess. Can you see, friends, what happens when you don't deal with sin quickly? When you give in, it passes along even to other people, and it just gets worse and worse. It's like fire. It'll burn everything to the ground. The best thing to do with a fire is to hit it with a fire extinguisher. And the extinguisher for sin is called confession. You want to extinguish a sin fire, put it out with the extinguisher of confession. Luke 12, verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be known. The next chapter, God is going to send Nathan the prophet to call David out right blunt in his face. Friend, if you are hiding sin in your life, know that the Lord can very well send his own Uriah, that irritating person that won't get out of your way, that you want gone because they're messing it all up for you. You better realize perhaps God sent that person in your life to push you to accountability like he did with Uriah to David. Be thankful that God sent a Uriah before it gets as bad as having to send a Nathan. You've got an opportunity to repent. You've got an opportunity to confess now and to take God's way out that you have not yet been considering before. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.